Well, this summer, we're going to be kind of in a, in a summer-long series called, Did You Know? Or Do You Know? And all of it is centered around these life lessons that I think can help us walk in freedom. This verse in John 8.32 says, Then you will know the truth. Everybody say truth. But the, and then the truth will set you free. Okay, so how many guys want to be free? Amen? We all want to be free, but this says that you will know the truth, and then the truth is what sets you free. So we have to know these truths in order for us to walk in this freedom. And so that's what this series is, is about. And this morning, I want to talk about the subject of pain. Because uh, it is a subject that all of us can relate to on one level or another. What is it like to encounter pain? In John 16.33, Jesus was speaking to his disciples. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. Now, that is not the most encouraging thing in the world. Like, that, you probably didn't get that tattooed somewhere in Hebrew, you know. Or that's probably not hanging on your refrigerator. Like, don't forget, kids, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Have a great day. But the rest of it is incredibly encouraging. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I think Jesus wanted to make sure that his disciples knew pretty much from the very beginning that there were going to be days that they didn't have it all together. There were going to be days when they were discouraged. There were going to be days when they didn't feel his presence. There were going to be days when they weren't going to see miracles. They weren't going to see people come into Jesus. There were going to be days when they were going to be persecuted. There were going to be days when they were beaten, put in prison, ultimately killed for his name. That in this world, that they were going to face some of those things. But if you can see the kingdom of God, and if you can see his plan, you understand that no matter what happens, ultimately, death has been defeated on the cross. Everything that could ever come against us, ultimately, Jesus overcame it. Whatever you have faced in the past, and whatever you're getting ready to face in the future, even if you don't know what that is, you can know that the hardship that comes with it, you ultimately are victorious over it because of Jesus, because he overcame it. He made it clear that there would be some pain in life, but that they could take heart. What that means is literally to take courage. Find some courage. You're gonna, find, gonna need to find some courage because there's gonna be some times when you're facing pain, finding that courage. Pain can be physical. Well, what's the worst physical pain out there, okay? Uh, well, uh, medically speaking, some say that when you break this bone in your leg, that that's one of the most painful things that you can experience. Every mom in the house would say it's definitely childbirthing. Uh, and, and I ain't gonna argue with it because I'm not planning on having a baby. However, uh, how many of you have ever stubbed your little toe? Okay, for some reason, that's just like the smallest phalange, smallest, you know, but, but when you stub your little toe, you would rather just die, like on the spot, than to face that pain. Anybody ever stepped on a Lego in the middle of the night, like on your heel, on like the bone of your heel? It's painful. Anybody ever had a kidney stone before? <laughs> Witness. 
I, I consider myself to be a, a relatively tough person. Like I, I thought, man, I've got pretty high t- pain tolerance, all that kind of stuff. Uh, this last week, somebody tweeted out, they posted that, that all the toughest people in history and in the world, their names began with J. I didn't make it up. They posted, but here's, here's, some, of the, here's some of the evidence uh, with that. Jason Bourne. <laughs> Jack Reacher. Jack Bauer. And then they say, face it, the toughest people in the world, their names start with J. But I would add to that list, John Wayne, John Cena. You can't see me. John Rambo, Judge Judy. You can't argue with that. Of course, Jesus. Hashtag blessed. Amen. But when I got a kidney stone, suddenly it took me out. And I remember the first time I had like a major kidney stone and I didn't really know what was going on. Uh, but a little over a year ago, I had another one hit and actually hit, we, we used to have three services and right before the third service started, I started feeling it. And because I'd had one before, I knew what was coming. And I, I was so scared. But when I got this kidney stone, I remember I was at the house rolling on the floor in pain. And my wife is not used to seeing me like that. So she did what every compassionate wife does. She just stared at me, like just. (laughs) And uh, eventually we got in the car and we went to the emergency room. And after we waited and waited and wait, this is how bad this pain was. And some of my friends were there. I was on the floor of the emergency room. Gross. I mean, thinking back on it now, I took several showers after that. Like, ugh, I was in so much pain. And I remember, I remember the glow and the glory. When that nurse came in with that pain medication, it was just like the best thing that I had ever seen in my life being able And a couple days later, I gave birth to a nine millimeter kidney stone. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. There's physical pain. Uh, But there's a lot of other kinds of pains out there that that honestly can hurt a lot more. All of us have gone through some of these pains. How about marriage pain? Anybody that's ever been married... You know there's some pain in marriage. And I know sometimes people look at my wife and I and Cody and I and they think, well, they're pastors and, you know, they seem to have this incredible marriage and everything's awesome. But look, we struggle. We struggle because Cody still has a lot to learn. I mean, she is still. (laughs) I asked her permission to say that. (laughs) Because I want to live. But there, there have been times in our marriage when things were not great. I've told the story before. Like our first major fight was over money. How many of y'all, your major fights are over money? Come on, be honest. Come on. You just knock down, drag out. Okay. 
and it was early in marriage, just a few months into our marriage, and we, I don't even remember what it started with, honestly, but I know it was over the subject of money, and, and the problem is, Cody and I, man, we have very similar personalities, okay, and so we're just going at it, and we're both, we want to be right, both of us, we want to be right, and it got to a point, it's so bad that she's like, you need to get out of here, and I said, I ain't going nowhere, no, we're going to work this out, she's like, fine, I'll leave, and she goes out, and she gets in her car, and she's getting ready to leave. So I go out, I stand right in front of her car. I said, you're not going anywhere. Get out of the car, get in the house. We're gonna work this out. She puts it in drive. <laughs> she's like, he's relatively resilient. I think he'll... She started inching towards me and I'm like, woman, you know you're in trouble when you start using language like that. I said, if you leave, if you pull out of this driveway, I am calling the cops and I'm reporting this vehicle stolen. (laughs) Get you some of that. And I would have done it. I promise you I would have done it. I would have done it with joy in my heart. (laughs) And she got out of the car and we went in. It took us a while. We worked it out and then we made out and that was awesome. And But there have been times when we've gotten in a fight and and you're laying right next to the person that you've made a covenant before God that you're going to love till death do you part. Uh, And yet, this the most immature, ridiculous little thing has parted you and their hand is eight inches away from yours and you can't bring yourself to humble yourself enough to reach across and grab it and say you're sorry. And I've been in that place. And I understand some of the pain there. I understand emotional pain, a loss, discouragement, disappointment. There's relational pain where you strain friendships or friendships that have abandoned you or turned their back on you or family issues where trust has been broken. Parenting pain, man. When you got that kid that you just can't figure out how to lead them. Or that kid with a disability that you're working through and trying to figure out how to get them what they need. Or or the wayward kid that's just seems like they're running away from God as fast as they can. It's painful. Their spiritual pain, that unfulfilled dream, man, you've been believing God for this for so long, but your, your faith is wearing thin and you don't know if you can hold on much longer. This is all real pain. And pain is a problem if we don't see it the way God sees it. When we talked about this topic, I want to be extremely clear that I would never advocate that God is always the source of our pain. Often the source of our pain is because we live on this side of heaven. We live in a broken world with hurting, lost, and dying people and kidney stones. We live in a broken world. I also think it's important not to allow yourselves to be drugged into this place where you start trying to figure out where the pain is coming from. Because the reality is, that we have an enemy. We do. And, and he wants to use the pain in our lives to kill, steal, and destroy. But we also have a heavenly father. And he wants to use that pain to bring life, to bring relationship with him, and to bring restoration. But I think the important question is not where the pain is coming from. The important question is, who are you going to choose to let use the pain? Because both God and Satan want to use the pain, but you get to choose which one of them get to use it. 
And I believe that if you can figure out how to let God use the pain, it's going to bring life and life to the full. I want to look at this passage. It's right around one of the verses we already talked about. In John 15, verse 1 through 5, it says, I am the true vine. and My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I want you to catch something here, though. Because it says that God cuts off the branches that bear no fruit. That makes sense, right? Like, man, if you're not bearing anything, then, you know, you're gone. But the one that's difficult is the one that says the ones that were bearing fruit, he cuts them down some, too. That's the pain in life that's difficult. The pain in life is when God is pruning you and you're like, but God, like I'm walking with you. I'm reading the Bible. I got my devotional. I'm praying. I'm listening to Caleb every day. Even during the pledge drives. (laughs) Y'all the real Christians. I'm telling you that right now. Going to church, I'm serving you, and yet you're still pruning me. This pain is in my life, but you have to understand pain is not always punishment. Sometimes God is going to prune you when you're producing fruit because He knows that if He does, you can produce even more fruit if you can see it that way. Some of you have a green thumb. How many of you guys have a green thumb? You're good with plants. How many of you guys are good with plants? Okay, good for you. Some people, okay, you know how there's a crazy cat lady, okay? We know who that lady is, but there's crazy plant ladies too, okay? These are crazy, crazy people. They can be men or women. I'm not going to, you know, dis- discriminate. But, but they're the types of, like, they call their plants their babies. I'm my babies. Bring my babies off the porch. It's going to get chilly tonight. You know, stuff like that. Just weird, weird stuff. And, and you guys are great with plants and gardens and all this kind of stuff. And you take your pictures of all your awesome plants. My wife is not one of these people. Like, you give my wife a plant a week later, it's going to look like the fig tree that Jesus cursed. Like, it's just... <laughs> my wife killed a cactus. That's hard to do. But she's just like, she's really good at keeping kids healthy. Everything else dies. Everything else just withers and dies. And, and she just doesn't, she doesn't have that. But, but some of you, you're, you're good at this. But if you understand how this works, if you understand that the pruning process and what it does, then you, then you get like how this brings life. How it brings health. A few things about pruning. First of all, pruning does not kill the plant. If you don't know much about plants, you see somebody, somebody like chopping down like what seems to be a healthy plant. You're like, what you doing over there? Like, what are you doing to my baby? 
freaking out. But, but if you know anything about plants, you understand that that actually is, is going to make it even more healthy. Sometimes we're like, God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing? Like, I'm doing good, and now you're, you're cutting me down. But God's intention is definitely not to kill you. It's to give you life. Also, pruning is necessary for growth. We prune plants and trees because we want them to grow and bear fruit. God wants us to bear fruit in our lives. No doubt about it. God wants us to learn how to grow so we can make a difference and leave a a legacy, something that lasts beyond our lives. Also, pruning eliminates unwanted growth. Often plants or trees, they have like that one branch with a mind of its own, you know? It's not growing in the proper shape. It's just off trying to do its own thing. And sometimes those branches will rub on other branches. Sometimes those branches can, can allow diseases to come into the plant. Sometimes those branches have to be trimmed back. You have to be kind of corralled back. Sometimes there's things in your life where you have allowed yourself to sprout off in some direction that is away from God's plan and purpose, and he's going to have to cut you back to bring you back center, to bring you back. Sometimes you've allowed things in your life that aren't really important, but you've made them a priority, and God will allow a season of pruning to bring you back to what's really important. Pruning eliminates unwanted growth. Also, pruning happens at the proper time. Most of the time, you want to prune plants in the dormant season. Some of you, you feel like you're there. The hard part about the dormant season is it's going to be a while before you see the results. It's difficult. And I think that's a word from the Lord for some of you. You've been in a dormant season. And when you were in that dormant season, you felt like you got cut. You got trimmed back. You got pruned. I just want to encourage you that your spring is coming. Your spring is coming. It's going to be here. Just wait. Be patient. You're going to see those sprouts of of life. You're going to see those flower buds again. Pruning improves strength and health. Plants have to be pruned so they can be stronger, healthier. Sometimes we're being pruned and we feel really, really weak, like we're not going to make it. But I promise you that if you wait, you're going to come back stronger than you ever were before. 1 Peter 5.10 says this, So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. Craig Rochelle said it this way, The distance between where I am and where God wants me to be might be my willingness and ability to tolerate pain. The distance between where you are and where God wants you to be, it may, it might have something to do with your willingness, your trust, and your ability to walk through the pain with God. Because pain has a tendency to teach us what comfort never will. 
but we have a tendency to long for the comfort. So since we face pain and pruning in our lives and all these things, and this is a reality that some of us are right in the middle of right now in our lives, I want to talk about these three problems that we have a tendency to see with pain, but hopefully we can find the revelation that they're not actually a problem, but they're actually something that can help us, if we can see it. (coughs) Excuse me. First thing is this. The problem with pain is its presence. It's there. And that's tough. The problem with pain is not only that it's there, but it is going to come. It's coming. Whether we like it or not, whether we accept it or not, and we can learn from it or not, but it is coming. And as hard as it is, it's really important that we let it sink in. Because there's no amount of money that can stop a problem or or pain in your life. There's there's no amount of resources that ultimately is going to remove this thing from your life. These these pains that can happen. A lot of us right now, we're on a mountaintop in our lives. We're doing really, really well. But some of us are in the valley. We're not doing well. One, One of the things I've learned, though, is when you're on the mountaintop, It only takes one phone call to send you to the valley. It only takes one text. It only takes one moment. And all of a sudden, you're there. But the opposite is also true. You can be in the valley and one phone call can change it. One text can change it. So there are people around you that are at one of those positions. But wherever you are, you have to make the decision. How are you going to handle that season that you're in? And here's the thing. Some of us don't handle pain well at all. Like we don't, we don't deal with it, I think, always the way that God would want us to deal with it. I find that in almost every family, there is one person that has a tendency to be a bit of a hypochondriac. Anybody have a person like that in their family? Don't look at them right now. Don't look at them. <laughs> don't nail blow them. Don't do any of that, okay? But it's just that one person, it just seems like they always have a tendency to think that they're always sick. Something is, everything is cancer. Everything is some sort of rare disease. They are, they are on WebMD all the time, like researching things, just trying to figure out what's wrong with them. And, 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 and in different seasons, we've always had like, the, like our kids kind of like tag team on this. Like you've always got that one kid that's a little bit of a hypochondriac. That just everything is a problem. When London was little, if she hurt herself at all, like if she like bumped her hand. I need a band-aid. I need a band-aid. I need a band-aid. I need a band-aid. And so she would come just insisting, I have to have a band-aid. I have to. And we're just like, where do you want us to put the band-aid? Because there's no indication of a, of a need of a band-aid. And here's the thing. And maybe I'm cruel. But to me, no blood, no band-aid. It's just kind of a logical thing, but, but she could single-handedly go through an entire box of Band-Aids in a matter of a couple of days. Like, they're just like all over her. Just in every, any place where there was discomfort at one point or another, the Band-Aid is the fix-all. Some of us handle pain and correction like that. 
We don't handle it well. But we go to all the wrong things to try to fix it. Hebrews 12, 5 through 8, I think, talks about how we should handle discipline, pain. My son, do not take light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastens every Everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? And you're like, I know a couple. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Amen. I know them too. If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. Not true sons and daughters at all. Verse 6, that word chastens. It means to convict, correct, bring to light, or expose. The word discipline, to teach, to train. The Greek word is the word padea. It means to train a child, preparation for life, and instruction. Often the presence of pain is our best education. It's going to be one of the areas that we're going to be able to learn the most. But we have a tendency to want to try to eliminate these things as quick as possible. When we have physical pain, we'll take a pain reliever, you know, like ibuprofen or ice cream or Krispy Kreme, you know, something like that. Something that we can try to get rid of. And with the different types of pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain, we often turn to pain relievers, also known as coping mechanisms. Some people turn to addictions to deal with their pain. Alcohol, drugs, food, pornography. Those are their pain relievers. And really every addiction, no matter what they are, it's our attempt to control, but in the end, they control us. Pain relievers can be anything that distracts us from the pain. Like sports and hobbies. Men. Or shopping, ladies. Retail therapy. Come on, girl. (laughs) Unhealthy relationships can be a pain reliever. Success. Work. Social media can be a pain reliever. We have the natural ability to make anything our drug just to relieve the pain because we actually prefer to be distracted than to deal with it. That's a problem with pain, is its presence. It's there. (coughs) The problem with pain is its process. Pain is a process, and it can be a long process. Some of you are like, I know. It's been going on for quite a while. It can take some time to work through it. But the process of pain can also strengthen us and refine us. And 1 Peter 1, 6-7 says, So be truly glad. There is a wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fires test and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. The process of refining metals. Uh, there's the crucible. These metals are put into, and in this crucible is intense heat and pressure. 
And as the metals are heated, what comes to the top is called the dross. It's the impurities. And it allows you to skim those impurities off the top so that the metal can be even more pure, more refined, more valuable. I find that too often we jump out of the heat and the pressure too soon. The thing about a pure metal is the more pure it is, the more moldable it is. If if we remove ourselves from the pressure, if we remove ourselves from the heat too soon, it's going to be difficult for God to shape us into what he wants to shape us into. When we jump out of that fire too soon, God is trying to refine us. In Psalm 66.10, it says, For you, God, test us, and you refine us like silver. I think if we approach pain with the right way, we can be stronger on the other side. And here's the thing. I don't think that there is any pain-free spiritual growth plan. Uh, Just like with your health. (laughs) You know, if you want to be healthy, you want to be strong... All of us would love if there was just something that came without any pain or sweat or soreness that could just make us supernaturally healthy and strong. But the phrase, no pain, no gain, is a reality. It's going to come with some amount of pressure. It's going to come with some amount of pain. But isn't it interesting? A lot of times when you were in those seasons... Of practice? Any fellows remember two-a-days? Remember cussing the coach under your breath, wanting to kill him? Isn't it interesting that the same coach that you cussed under your breath during two-a-days is the same coach that you put on your shoulders when you win the game? Because you realize that the pain was preparing you, that it was a difficult process, but you needed to walk through the process I've heard a lot of Christians say, man, I just want to go deeper. I just want to go, I want to go deeper. And deeper is a really relative term to me. Uh, Because what most people mean when they say that is they want more knowledge about the Bible. They want to go deeper. They want more knowledge about the Bible. But going deeper is not necessarily another teaching on the Holy Spirit or more intellectual Bible study. I, I find that a lot of us have way more knowledge than we have willingness and obedience. And a lot of times, (laughs) the way that you're going to go deeper is through trial. A lot of times, going deeper means you're going to walk through the pain of, or the process of pain. And James talks about this. In chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Consider it pure joy (coughs) whenever you... My brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Pain is a maturing process. In the middle of your pain, God is shaping you into something. The problem with pain is its purpose. The problem with pain is its purpose. Hebrews 12, 11. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterwards, 
there is a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. How many of you guys were spanked growing up? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. How many of you, when your parents would go to spank you, they would say this bit of nonsense? This is going to hurt you or me a lot more than it's going to hurt you. And I would look at them like, give me the paddle. Let's prove that. But as a parent, you get it. You, you get that there's a purpose in what they're getting, you're getting ready to do. But this, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there is a peaceful harvest. Peaceful harvest. Well, kumbaya, God. It sure doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel peaceful. God is always seeing a bigger picture. God is always working it for a greater good. In fact, some of the greatest leaders I know are those that have been under bad leadership. The pain of that. People that have the most compassion and mercy are oftentimes the people that have been the most uncared for. People that love people have oftentimes been people that have been hated. Sometimes the biggest givers are the ones that grew up with nothing because pain can produce purpose. Second Corinthians, he comforts all of us in trouble so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, they will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. I don't know what pain you are in, you have been through. But I do believe that God is wanting to turn the story of that pain into a powerful testimony. I promise you when I was in the middle of the pain of teachers telling me that I would always be in special education classes, that my learning disabilities, my dyslexia, being borderline autistic, all those types of things, being told those things didn't feel purposeful. I promise you that when my parents divorced the day I turned 13 years old, it didn't feel like purpose. I promise you that when I lived homeless for five years and lived out of a bag, it didn't feel like purpose. But everything that has happened in my life was pointed towards purpose. Was pointed towards shaping me, molding me, giving me a platform of relatability putting me in a place my, my faith could be strengthened. When you walk through pain and you let God use it, you have something in you that nothing and no one can take away. In that place is a peace that transcends understanding. It is a joy that is not determined by situation and circumstance. There's a hope. There is an eternal perspective that helps you see what really, really matters. 
It gives you a chance to see the way that God sees. Sometimes only in glimpses, but it helps you see people the way he sees them. If you choose to let him use your pain, and this is the great thing. God gave us someone who understands pain better than anyone and every kind of pain. If you're in emotional pain, Jesus can relate to you. Jesus knows what emotional pain is like to the extent that he sweat tears of blood because of the emotional anguish that he was facing. If you're in relational pain, Jesus gets relational pain. He was completely betrayed by his best friends, left alone, denied that they even knew him. Jesus understands it. Jesus understands physical pain. He's been there. The word says that we're, we have a high priest. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He intercedes for us daily. He's praying for you because he relates to your pain. But the only way that you can choose to allow God to use your pain goes back to the verse. You have to be connected to the vine. The vine is Jesus. If you're disconnected from the vine, then you won't understand that it's pruning. You won't understand. You won't ever have a chance to see the purpose that God is trying to work in you through that pain. And at the end of the day, without Jesus, the only person that gets to use the pain is the enemy. There's no place of hope there. There's, there's no faith there. There's no, but with Jesus, with Jesus, no matter what the pain, God can use it. He wants to. Let's close your eyes, bow our heads. I want every person in this room to be able to leave here today confident of the hope that they have in Jesus. Then in their connection with him is the vine. Although they've walked through the pain or you're walking through the pain, that you can have hope and you can have peace. You can trust that there's, there's a process he's working in you and it's for a purpose. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus and today you're ready to be found in him, you're ready to allow him to use the story of your pain from your past and make it into a testimony that not only strengthens you, not only gives you everything that you were created for, but also can give hope to others because of you. If you're here today and you're ready to surrender to Jesus as your hope, as your savior, as the one who uses your pain for those things, would you please just put your hand up right now? As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. I just want to know who I'm praying with. Maybe you need to rededicate your life. God, thanks, man. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Anybody else? God, thanks, man. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? 
As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Anybody else? Got it. Thanks, bro. Got you there at the back. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? I want to be found in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Anybody else? Okay. For those few folks that raise your hand right there in your chair, just have a talk with God. Just be real. Be honest. If you're not sure what to say, you just say, God, I, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I can't save myself. I know that my mistakes separate me from you. But right now I believe that you, Jesus, died on the cross for my sin. And, and, I, and I repent. I don't want to live the way I've been living. I, I don't want you just to save me from my sin, but I want you to change me from the inside out. God, I pray that you would come in and be my Lord and be my Savior, and be my best friend for the rest of my life. Help me to live for you, no matter what the cost, no matter what it takes. God, for all of us, I thank you that we can find a place of joy and peace in our pain. It's unexplainable. And it's because of that joy, it's because of that peace, it's because of us somehow still being able to it's not just live, but live life to the full. People are going to see that and be like, how, what is this hope that you have? How can you face this pain? How can you face this process? How can you face this season and still have what you have? And we can tell them about the joy of our salvation that's in you. Oh, thank you for that, God. I, but I do pray, Lord, that you would strengthen and encourage Every person that is in the middle of that pain, in the middle of that process, God, be with them. Make it very clear, God, that you've never left them. You'll never forsake them. You've been there all along. God, help them to see your hand working, to trust you in the process, to understand that you see something that's bigger and you're working on that plan. We thank you for that, God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We had seven people raise their hand to give their life to God and rededicate their life to God. That's good.